Oh, first of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives. I'm Bruce Anthony, your host here to lead the conversation in important events and topics that are shaping today's society. Join the conversation by following us wherever you get your audio podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our video podcast. Rate, review, like, comment, share, share with your friends, share with your family, hell, even share with your enemies. On today's episode, I'm going to be asking, answering a few of listeners' questions. I'm going to be talking about black movies, more specifically set it off, but I'm also going to dive into the new documentary about We Are the World. We're going to talk about black inventors and what would you do if you were invited to a wedding, but they asked you to pay for yourself. That's enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. Well, 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 I don't know if you guys are going to be able to hear my air conditioning or fan in the background. Hopefully I will be able to get rid of it in post-production, but I've got to drown out the sound of my annoying neighbor's dog barking like the dog just yaps all day long. And I know what people are going to say, Bruce, you're just bitter because you miss crypto. I do miss crypto every single day, but that's not the reason why crypto was like a good dog. It didn't like bark all the time. And, and these dogs just yap all day long. It's really, really annoying, but we shall continue on and you shall get to get your show and hope that there isn't too much background noise that's distracting, but let's get to the show. So people, like I said, people contact us through DM, through comments on YouTube, or through email, really a lot through email, especially through our website. Uh, there's a little DM messaging on our website where uh, listeners and watchers, audience members, people who enjoy the show can send in show ideas, you know, topics that they want me or me and my sister to discuss. And, and they send in questions and there's a whole queue of questions. And, and, you know, we've done the 50th episode and we've done the hundredth episode where we, we answered some of these questions, but, uh, they're starting, the questions are starting to pile up. So I'm just going to answer three of the most frequent questions that we've received in the last three or four months that we just didn't answer on any one of the shows. Okay, here we go. So for all those listeners and watchers out there, for all those audience members that uh, wanted to get the answers to these questions, here we go. The first question is, and it's the most common question, Bruce, what is your type of partner? I'm assuming that they mean love interests because that is the most common question I get. I do not understand why people are so interested in my love life. It is in my personal life. People that are close to me are interested in it. And now audience members, I am appreciative that you care that much to ask me, but what is my type? I will say I don't have a physical type. And there are people that are close to me that are going to say, Bruce, yes, you do. You have a physical type. And I'm like, yes and no, right? There is kind of a blueprint of a type of woman that I am typically attracted to. Uh, I'm not going to express that right here, right now. I'm going to tackle what the most important thing to me is, and that's their intellect. I'm like a king from coming to America. I need a woman to stimulate my mind as my intellect, as well as my loins. I, I've learned that in my older age that I'm really atta- uh, attracted to brilliant women, women that not only are intelligent, 
Uh, and you don't have to be extremely intelligent. It just so happens that some of the women that I've that I've actually fallen in love with, if I can actually say that I've ever been in true, true love, which is another question all in of itself. But the women that I thought that I cared for a great, great deal were really intelligent and were thinkers. Sometimes, you know, think too damn much, but we're thinkers. So I'm really, really attracted to that. I had one ex-girlfriend recently within the last five years, like we could sit and talk for eight hours and it could be about anything and everything. And it wasn't all about the, the physical aspect of our relationship. It was just talking. Matter of fact, the last few girlfriends I had, it, it's it's been about like, like talking and being able to, to converse. Now, I know there are guys out there that do not care about that. There are some men out there that I swear they, they don't like women because uh, they don't want women to think or act or do anything out of what they want. And that's not my bag. I'm look, I look for a true partner in every sense of the word and a true equal. And, and that's kind of just what I look for. Sorry, I had to take a break because my nose was running. But yeah, that's just kind of what I look for. So yes, I do have a physical type. I do have to physically be attracted to you. Uh, but there have been women that um, I wasn't necessarily like overly physical, physically attracted to. But because of their mind, it it grew, it grew my physical attraction towards them. So that I, I guess that answers your question. I don't know if you guys are looking for something specific. I, I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, AOC. Like th- that would be an example of a brilliant, beautiful woman that uh, that I'm just in love with. So, OK, <laughs> that's the prototype AOC. That would be that would be my type. OK, the next question. How do you choose to interview or who do you choose to interview and why? Uh, I think I've answered this question before, but I wasn't sure. So I said I'll answer it again because the interviews are going to start up again. I know this month there were some black facts that I wanted to tackle. And, you know, when I speak about things that are not necessarily necessarily to me controversial, but to some people are controversial, I don't really like to have a guest on that episode or attach to that episode because I don't want my words attached to them in any way. Um, and there was a lot of things that I had to get off my chest, but don't worry. We're going back to the interviews next month, uh, March, which is at the end of this week. Um, how, how do I decide who I want to interview? Easy. Who interests me? That's basically what it is. So what I've learned in these interviews are that when I'm engaged and interested in the person that I'm interviewing, there's a good response from you guys, the audience, because it's not me reeling off questions. One, I, I think I've become a far greater interviewer than I was a year ago. That's first and foremost, right? Because it used to just be answer. I have these questions. I want to, these are the topics I want to discuss. And it would be less of a discussion and more of an interview, which it kind of is, but I want these things to be more of a discussion. So it's just people that I'm interested in. There are a lot of interviews that are in the can that I've told people like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, you it's not your fault. This interview sucks and it's because of me and I'm not going to I'm not going to post it because this is just it's bad. I would love to redo the interview if you have time it's available. 
but I'm just not going to post this interview because it just absolutely sucks. So that has happened. But yeah, like I said, when I'm engaged, you can hear the banter, you can hear the conversation and, and no, they're not going to be my sister, but it's the same type of dynamic dynamic that I do in a sibling happy hour that I, I want to do with my guests. I want them to be able to sell whatever they're selling, pitch whatever they're, that they're pitching and ask them questions that I'm interested in. And I want it to be, you know, some back and forth, the discussion and wherever that discussion leads me is wherever it goes. So uh, that's how I kind of decide. The second question is, can anybody, can anybody, you know, pitch being on the show? Yes. On our website, there is a apply to be a guest. I am doing better at going through those. Uh, there's a there's a backlog and I'm doing better going through those. I will get to them, I, I promise you. And uh, you'll hear a response from me either way. But yes, you know, you can apply to be a guest. There's no guarantee I'm going to want you on the show though. Like, because one of the questions is, what is it that you want to talk about? If it's something that really doesn't interest me or if I don't think that uh, what you have to say is really interesting, I don't want you on the show. Uh, no offense, you know, but it's my show and then I can have who I want on my show. I don't, nobody gets to dictate to me who I want on my show. But yeah, so absolutely. You can apply to to, to be on the show at, at, at any time and uh, um, keep keep following through with us, right? Because, you know, I'm going to catch you somewhere if if you're applying. If Because like I said, there's a backlog in the apply to guest list, but I'm going to catch you somewhere whether it's through DMs, emails, or through the website messaging. If you want to be on the show, if you know somebody that's interesting that you think might be a good discussion on the show, by all means, uh, jump in and apply to be the guest on our website at unsolicitedperspectives.com. And the last question is, are you going to have other people in your life on the show? I'm assuming, because I've gotten this a couple of times, uh, my brother, Never coming on the show. Y'all can just forget that. Listens to the show. A huge fan of the show. Never coming on the show. Uh, I've asked. My sister has asked. Our parents have asked. He doesn't want to do it. I respect that. And so that won't happen. If you're talking about my friends, because I know uh, I had a couple of questions. Is Am I ever going to have my bestie on? I'll ask her. You know, am I ever going to have my boys on? I've asked them, but I've set certain parameters to the discussion. I don't know if y'all realize it or not. Uh, my sister loves to bring it up. I don't like a whole lot of cussing on the show. Uh, I don't like a whole lot of foul language on the show. And some people feel like that's restrictive to them. And they're like, I'll come on the show if you just let me say what I want to say. And I'm like, no, that's not how things work. Um, you can't just say whatever you want to say. So I've had those conversations. I don't know if my parents will ever come on the show. Um, there would have to be a real clamoring for that and they would have to be comfortable coming on the show. I don't know, but so yes and no, maybe <laughs> does that answer your question? Yes. No, maybe, uh, is the answer to those questions. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'll reach out to, to my friends. Uh, it'd be interesting to have my bestie on. I I may want to do that behind uh, the paywall. We may have to do that on Patreon because uh, my friend is we're we're twins. We're we're just alike. So that could be a, a wild show. But 
So let me get to some of the other stuff after asking those questions. Let me get to some of the other stuff that I wanted to talk about. I had somebody recommend to me uh, watch the We Are the World documentary. It's the greatest night in pop. Uh, It provides behind the scenes and a look at the creation of the iconic song We Are the World. The documentary is available on Netflix. It reveals how the song We Are the World was co-written by Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson. And this was at the height of their fame. You know, this was like right after Thriller and all night long. Like this was the mid 80s and they were they were it. And there's both songwriters. Michael just wrote Thriller. Right. And I think he was in the process of writing bad at that time as well, which, you know, me and my sister have said is our favorite or we think that's the greatest Michael Jackson album. I know Thriller gets talked about a lot. Off the Wall is fantastic. But, you know, we think Bad is the best. Bad is the best Michael Jackson album. And Lionel Richie going all the way back to the 70s with the Commodores um, hit group. And when he went off on his own, he just, that first album was just, his first single album was just bananas. So um, they wrote the songs. Just to go through all the people that had a solo part in this We Are the World, because I'll get into what the documentary shows about the how this song came about. But Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Kenny Rogers, James Ingram, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, of course, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Diane Warwick, Willie Nelson, Al Jarreau, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Lodgins, Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, uh, Bob Dylan, and Ray Charles all had solo parts in the song. The song was specifically inspired because of success of this song called Band Aids. Uh, Do They Know It's Christmas? It was a charity single recorded by popular British and Irish musicians to raise money for uh, the same cause that We Are the World was trying to raise money for. And it was to combat famine in Africa, more specifically Ethiopia, that was running through a very, very, I mean, it was horrible. And this was, I don't know what was going on before this time right? Like I'm four or five, six years old at this time. I remember I'm living in Illinois. I remember this song coming out. It's one of my earliest memories. And I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. So Michael Jackson is going to be on the song. I'm going to make sure that I know what this song is about and listen to the song. And I remember watching TV as a little kid, probably uh, cartoons and then wrestling and to see all these starving kid in Africa commercials, right? And so this was the purpose of creating We Are the World was to raise money and to donate money to help combat uh, famine in Africa. So what happened was, is Harry Belafonte, one of the most important black activists of all time, really, saw a BBC story talking about the famine in Ethiopia. And this is the reason why I decided to talk about this documentary is because one is celebrating Harry Belafonte, a major black activist during Black History Month, um, celebrating all the people that were behind the scenes that were black that put together this song. And the cause was to help black people, not black Americans, but Africans who were also black. Yeah, Michael and you got Lionel Richie writing a song. You have Quincy Jones as the producer. You have Harry Belafonte, who called his manager at the time, Ken Cragen, uh, to get together all of the 
most popular artists at that time to bring them together for this particular song. Um, it was released, the song We Are The World was released in 1985. It quickly became the first single to be certified multi-platinum. The song has won four Grammys and raised over 43 million for charity, which is a really big deal in 1985. The selection of artists was intended to represent a broad cross-section of music industry, including pop, country, folk, rock, and more. So this is what's interesting. This was they, Harry Belafonte and King Cragen to, decided to do this song. This is all in the documentary, and I'm not, I, I recommend watching the documentary. It's entertaining. At the very least, it's entertaining. So they decide to create this song, We Are the World, because a lot of, like I said earlier, British and Irish artists had already created this song, Band-Aid, to kind of do the same thing, but they were all white. And so Harry Belafonte is looking at this and saying, you know, this is fantastic that we have these British and Irish people that are trying to help Africans, but we as black people, should be trying to do more as well. So this was supposed to be kind of like the black version of the Band-Aid and the, the producer of the Band-Aid uh, song was in a documentary and gave a speech uh, ahead of time before they performed uh, the song or before they recorded the song. So they absolutely acknowledged like they are the catalyst of this cause. We are just trying to do another version. So that's the reason why you have Harry Belafonte reaching out to Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, and they tried to get Stevie Wonder to help write the song, but they couldn't get a hold of him. And it, it, but as I'm watching this documentary, I'm noticing something. As I'm running through those long list of people that are participating, that are getting solos, I'm just like, mm, you, you've attacked a lot of different genres of music, right? Like, like it was pop, it was funk, it was country, it was rock and roll. Where the hell was the soul? You know, where was Aretha Franklin? Where was Luther Vandross? It, it kind of, and it kind of was like, it, it, if the song was supposed to represent everybody, it absolutely did that. I almost felt like, and this is odd to say that some of the blackness for what the song was supposed to be was drowned out, even though it's Lionel Richie, Quincy Jones, and Michael Jackson producing the song. And, and don't get me wrong, like some of these people that were on the song, Kenny Rogers can blow. When I say blow, can sing, can sing his ass off, right? Kenny Rogers can blow. Willie Nelson, he can go. Bruce Springsteen, ain't nobody saying to me that Bruce can't, can't sing. Steve Perry from Journey. Don't stop believing. Get out of here. I mean, he can go. Hall and Oates, they can do their thing. Huey Lewis, I mean, he, he can go a little bit. Bob Dylan has a unique voice. Cindy Lauper, I mean, she was hot at the time. Probably should have been Madonna. Whitney Houston was not really a thing at this time. But as I'm watching the documentary in the beginning part of it, I'm like, where's all the black people? It's like more white people than it is black people. But I saw the vision towards the middle of the documentary that this is a this song like Michael and, and Lionel Richie wrote the songs one to be timely right so there aren't any lyrics that are specific to the time it's supposed to transcend time and it's supposed to also be multicultural 
across all genres of music, bringing in all together because that makes a statement. All of us, because we are the world, it, it's saying all of us can come together to make a change. And isn't that how change actually happens when people, all people come together? So as I'm watching the documentary, I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing here. This is kind of dope. This is actually the way it should be. So yeah, I, I highly recommend uh, the documentary. I'm not going to, I just told a lot about it, but, but I highly recommend the documentary because it's going to give you some insight of like, it was really, it's the song was all recorded in one night. They have all these different musicians or artists. They're artists, some musicians, some artists, but you know, all these different artists, like 40 artists and, and the way they constructed it with vocal co- coaches to see which people sounded well next to each other. Uh, it was, it's a masterpiece to see how a hit song was created. So I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it also to show how people can come together for a good cause from all different backgrounds and make a change because we are the world. <laughs> I know that was corny, but it's it's true though. It's true. As At the end of the movie, uh, at the end of the documentary, it made me proud. It made me real proud just as a person to know that all these artists came together free. They did, everybody volunteered their time to do this song. They didn't get any money from it. Proceeds all went to charity. All right. So that's just, that's just really dope. But I was on one this weekend as far as watching stuff. And I'm going to get to next (laughs) a movie that I watched that's an old school movie. That's definitely a black movie, but I think the themes are identifiable across the board, and we're going to get to that next. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. 
It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest. But it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. So like I said, I was kind of on one this weekend. And so I watched a documentary. And in the same night, I decided to watch Set It Off. Uh, Set It Off is a 1996. Yeah, I know. I'm going back. 1996 American heist crime action film. Uh, it's directed by F. Gary Gray. Also directed the the uh, NWA documentary, and I believe no, he wasn't the director of Training Day. That was Antoine Beckwell, whatever his name is. All right, so the plot of the movie: the film follows four close friends in Los Angeles, California, who plan to execute a bank robbery, each doing so for different reasons to achieve better for themselves and their families. So each has their own. Each of these four women have their own reasons for wanting to rob a bank. But the main premise is they just want to do better for themselves and their family. That's really the basic premise of it. The film kind of creates this portrait of their lives that the is, is like they're anti-heroes. And I know they're, I mean, they're anti-heroes. That's exactly what they are. I just came on with that right now. They're anti-heroes. There's nothing extremely heroic about them except for the reasons why a few of them are doing the things that they're doing. Um, there is one heroic character, but at the same time, she commits a major crime. So anti-hero. It doesn't, but what they're showing is their lives and they're kind of, backed up against the wall. It doesn't justify bank robbery, but it, it kind of makes a case that when you mix in uh, desperation and impulsiveness and thrill-seeking, yo, you, you, you can be pushed to the brink of doing almost anything. The cast, the cast was stars Jada Pickett, Y'all know her as Will Smith's wife, but at this time she wasn't Will Smith's wife. I don't even think she was dating Will Smith. She was the girl uh, from a different world. That's how I knew her. And I knew she was fine. And I was going back, you know, as I'm watching this movie again, uh, she was real. I mean, she's still fine now. She's aging well, but like this is before what y'all would deem as this crazy situation between her and Will Smith's life. Um, she's perfectly class, uh, cast. Queen Latifah, Vivica Fox, and Kimberly Lease. Kimberly Lease is the least known star 
of this group, but she's the heart of the movie. So like I was talking to somebody about watching the movie this past weekend. And, and I said to them, this was perfectly cast because all four of these actresses are actresses that come, you know, come from around the way, right? Like they weren't classically trained in the theater. Maybe Jada was, they, but they're actresses, but they're also either from the hood or hood adjacent, right? Right next to the hood. Like they're close to it. They're down. I mean, Queen Latifah, major rap star. Vivica Fox had been doing movies. Like I think that's, this was definitely after Independence Day, right? Where she was Will Smith's love interest in Independence Day. So like she was a name, these were names and, and they show such, they show a lot of range in this movie. Like you would look at Queen Latifah in this movie and be like, I did not see that coming, that character coming out, right? And Jada has such range of emotion in this movie. And so does Vivica Fox. Like they all have such great range of emotion. And it was just perfectly cast. The film was released in November 6, 1996. It received positive reviews from the critics, was praised for the characters, the music, and the performance. Let me tell y'all something about the soundtrack. The Set It Off soundtrack, I bought the Set It Off soundtrack because there ain't nothing but hits on this soundtrack. And the chemistry, you know, it was praised for the chemistry of the four leading actresses, particularly Jada Pickett and Queen Latifah, but they all were great. So I'm watching this movie and it's it's definitely a black movie, even though it like it grossed 41 million over a, a $9 million budget. So at that time, it was a blockbuster success. And I'm watching this movie, and even though it's a black movie, you see these common themes, and you kind of see them. The reason why it resonated with me because you kind of see them throughout the world today. That's the reason why you have a lot of people gravitating towards President Trump. Follow me here. Follow me here. In the movie, you have these four women that are basically cleaning ladies, right? Working minimum wage, trying to survive. Jada Pickett's character is trying to send her brother to college, does some things to to send her to college that she didn't necessarily want want to do, weren't quote unquote technically illegal, but kind of illegal. Uh, This is before the bank robbery, but it was really all just to help her brother out. Um, And once, once these women are faced with insurmountable odds, they turn to crime as a last ditch effort to try and better themselves. Now, here's where I come with the connection to Trump. You have a lot of people in these, not not, not solely in these flyover states, uh, everywhere. You have a lot of people, and, and let's be honest, a lot of white people that are not living well, right? Like the idea that that I'm on the show and I only talk about black plight. I, I do that because I'm black. I can't, I don't know what it's like to be white and, and go through it. But to say that white people don't go through it, to say that there aren't white people suffering poverty or saying that white people aren't suffering from healthcare issues, to say that white people aren't suffering from, you know, f- famine, <laughs> you know, starving, it is, it would be disingenuous. This is absolutely the case. The reason why these things are is because of 
the established foundations of America really favor those with money, right? And if you don't have money, you don't come from money, it ain't real easy to make money. Not like not real easy to to get like to to make it to 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 get to those to pass through those social economic categories to keep progressing up. It is a very, very taunting, challenging task because what America is really good at is in debt. So most people are in debt trying to climb their way out of and it's really, really difficult. So some of these people that are following Trump are falling for the con because they're desperate. They don't see a way out of their situation. When they look at this person as the savior, i.e. like these three women in the movie that are bank robbing, they go against their principles. Uh, They're Christians, but they vote for a person who is clearly not a Christian man. You know, they 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 vote against uh, freedoms, right, because it's freedoms that they don't really care about, but the freedoms that they want. Those are the freedoms that are important to them. They don't. They can. They can't see the bigger picture because they're focused on themselves, and we're all kind of focused on ourselves. So I, I get that. I understand that. So, in a sense of desperation, people will turn to the things that they probably should not be turning to. Sometimes it's former President Trump. Sometimes it's bank robbery. And so as I'm watching this movie, I see these parallels and these themes from something 1996 that I'm going to say most Black Americans have kind of always kind of faced. But to say that it's only Black Americans would be just an absolute disservice to not only immigrants that come to this country, to not only white people, to not only Asian people, to Jewish people, to gay people, to anybody in the LGBTQ plus community. Anybody in these marginalized groups and, you know, poor white people could be considered a marginalized group because if you're poor in this country, ain't no real way to dig yourself out. Not really. You have to be exceptional. If you if a person is exceptional, they can climb out of that. But you need help uh, to be able to climb out of that. So I just found it really, really interesting. I recommend going and watching this movie. It is a black movie because it's a major black cast. But. Also, the dude from Scrubs, what's his name? Uh, his real name is John C. McGlinley. He's the, he's a detective in this movie. So if you like Scrubs, he's not really funny, but he's serious. It's good. He did a good job acting in this movie. I highly, highly recommend everybody going out there, uh, getting a movie. I don't if you just if you got an Amazon Fire Stick, just yell into it. It's it's somewhere. I think it was, I think I saw it on Amazon Prime uh, this weekend for free. I think that's where I saw it. I'm not sure because uh, I have all these different things, but I highly recommend it. It's great acting. You will laugh. You will cry. You will feel. And if you think about it in a larger context of the themes that they're expressing here, it's an action movie, bang, bang, shoot them up, crime, drama, all that stuff. But if you look at the themes that they're talking about, the themes that they're talking about in 1996 are just as important and just as relevant as they are in 2024. Okay. That's enough about black movies. Let's go to my favorite topic this month, black inventors. And I'm going to be talking about George Edward Alcorn Jr. 
I'll get to what he invented first, but I want to get to his background. He was born on March 22, 1940. He's an American physicist, engineer, inventor, and professor. He has over 30 inventions and eight patents resulting in his induction into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2015. Alcorn received a Bachelor of Science in Physics from Occidental College and a Master of Science in Nuclear Physics from Howard University. He earned his PhD in Molecular and Atomic Physics from Howard University in 1967. And after earning his PhD, Alcorn spent 12 years working in the private sector, holding positions as senior scientist, senior physicist, and advisor engineer to IBM. Now, IBM is important for me personally because when my grandfather moved the family out of New York to this planned community in Maryland called Columbia, Maryland. It was a planned community by Edward Norton's grandfather. Yes, the actor Edward Norton's grandfather in the in the 70s. And he wanted to create this community where people from all walks of life, every ethnic group, every religion, every background could come and live in this community. And it wasn't segregated anyway. It wasn't based off of economics. So, you know, a lot of people that have money will live in better neighborhoods. People that don't have money won't live in neighborhoods. It was planned. So there were homes that had different price ranges in the same neighborhood. But if you've ever been to Columbia, Maryland, old Columbia, Maryland, every house was kind of not the same. They all had their different aesthetic, but the neighborhoods were really put together really well. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I don't know why I did that aside, but IBM, that's the reason why I did that aside. Sorry, lost my train of thought, ADHD. So my grandfather, because he worked for IBM, got transferred to Columbia. I, I don't know the exact story. I need to ask my mom, but they moved to Columbia, uh, IBM, and really provided a really great life uh, for my mom when my mom was in a senior in high school, but really like her siblings and my aunts who are really, who are like my big sisters and close to age. So I was really fascinated to learn like Mr. Alcorn was, or Dr. Alcorn, excuse me, because uh, he has a PhD. Dr. Alcorn was connected to IBM. Anyway, that was an aside. Let me get to his invention. He is best known for inventing the imaging x-ray spectrometer, which earned him the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center Award for Inventor of the Year in 1984. Now, what is the spectrometer? It would be perfect if I could enunciate this quick and greatly, but y'all know I have a speech impediment, so y'all get what y'all get. Uh, these are big words. Y'all try saying it. It's tough. This instrument uses thermal uh, imagination, not imagination, magration of aluminum, a major invention in the field. This device helps scientists better understand what materials are composed of when they cannot be broken down. It has wide ranging applications, including providing information about remote solar systems and other space objects. So basically this, this instrument has helped us, one, discover other galaxies, Right, because there are other galaxies out there, other solar systems out there, and what they're made of. So, for all y'all women out there, uh, and it's not just women; it's it's a lot of people. But for all y'all people out there that believe in that witchcraft, y'all know what I'm talking about—that that astrology stuff. 
talking about Mercury is in a retrograde. Neil deGrasse Tyson already said, he said that when Mercury is in retrograde, that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing to our bodies, our minds, nothing like that. It has the cosmic world has no impact on how we are doing like in our own emotions. So that's just some made up stuff that y'all want to believe in to excuse whatever feelings and emotions that you got going on right now. Oh, Mercury is in retrograde. Venus is in is in downgrade. I don't know what any of that stuff means. But I do know it's witchcraft. <laughs> y'all women be swearing by it. Uh, now, I will say horoscopes, sometimes those things be fitting. I had one friend break down my horse, my whatever it is, my numbers or whatever. It was witchcraft. And she was like, this is how you are. And this is how you are. And I was like, no, I am not. And the one thing that a lot of people say is that cancers are sensitive. And I would say I am not sensitive at all. So screw you guys. <laughs> no, but no, but I just I thought that was really cool uh, to, to, to talk about George Edward Alcorn Jr. and his invention. Black man born in 1940s that created an instrument that was very, very important for NASA. For NASA to be using. So uh, definitely always want to get a shout out to our black inventors. As I've been going through stuff this month, I've been finding out more and more black inventors that that are really, really dope, that are just not taught to us. That kind of agitates me a little bit that I should not have to go scouring for my history and for things that for people that are important, because there's a sense of pride that I keep getting every time I find out about a new black inventor. and. I just don't understand why these things aren't taught in history. And the only the only reason why I can think of is that the powers that be don't want black people to have pride in themselves. I, I just don't understand it because like this is it's American history, right? This is a contribution to America. All of these things, all of these inventors that I bring up are contributions of black people to help better America. Don't you think that that would be something that America would want to celebrate? Or is the reason that they don't celebrate it, don't acknowledge it, is because they don't want to celebrate any accomplishments from people that they don't want to celebrate accomplishments from? I mean, think about it. We had uh, a Christopher Columbus Day. And I mean, technically, we still have it. It's still called Christopher Columbus Day. He didn't discover America. First of all, this land that we're living on, he didn't discover that. It was further south, a lot further south, right? That's number one. Number two, there were already people here. So he didn't discover it, but yet he has a holiday that's celebrated and it's taught. It is taught all throughout history. These people that make advancement in technology, sciences, things of that nature, like Marie Brown, who basically, she created the home security system. Like that does not get talked about. Everything that people use, we use this every single day, every day. How many of you actually knew there was a black woman, a black couple, because Albert Brown had something to do with that, you know, but how many people out there knew there was a black couple that, that put that together? I don't know. I find that kind of important. I find that extremely interesting. But, you know, it's up to you. I'm I'm just trying to teach you guys a little something, just a little something, something. 
during Black History Month. But I told y'all, this is not going to just solely be during Black History Month. I'm going I'm to be doing this stuff year round. The, the heavy focus has been on this month, but I'm going to be doing this stuff year round. All right. This is the last thing I wanted to get to because I found this extremely interesting and went viral this weekend. And it's about a wedding. Now, if you're an, if you're a regular listener to the show or listener or watcher to the show, you know that at one time I was once married. Uh, I think that's the reason why so many people are so interested in my personal life. I can't understand it. But yes, at one time I was once married. And I had a pretty big wedding. I mean, I must say that my wedding was pretty dope. It was big. It was about 125 to 150 people there. It was at a, uh, it's not necessarily a resort, but it was at a kind of a venue that's on the water, not too far here from DC area. Cause you know, we got water everywhere. So it was on the water. It was beautifully done, catered well. The food was good. Uh, I forgot who we had as a music. I think it was a DJ, but it was a beautiful event, expensive, extremely, extremely expensive, but a beautiful event. And I go back and forth about when people get married, is it, should you have such a big wedding? Because some of that money could be going towards you building your life together. It's such a huge expense. I mean, if you got the bread, you got the bread, do it. But it's such a huge expense to throw a party. And it is an important day, you know, right? You're, you, two people are joining unions, which is supposed to be for the rest of your life. But, you know, it's like 50% of the marriages fail. So it's not supposed to be life. But, you know, for a period of time, right? And it, you want to celebrate that. But at what point does the cost of the wedding outweigh the significance of having a big party? Well, there's this couple that is getting married. and a copy of the invitation of the wedding got out uh, to the internet and it's blown up the internet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you guys the copy of the invitation and discuss what I think about it uh, after I finish reading it. So here we go. Uh, they don't give the names. They black that out, which is kind of important. But ceremony to start promptly at 4 p.m. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dress code, smart casual. We are overjoyed to extend our heartfelt invitation to you to join us on our special day as we celebrate our love and commitment. Your presence means the world to us. In lieu of traditional wedding gifts, we kindly request that you contribute towards the cost of our reception buffet. This will allow us to share a wonderful meal together and create a lasting memories with our love with our loved ones. The cost per adult is $40 and for children under 12 it is $20. To facilitate the planning process, we kindly ask that you include your contribution when you RSVP. This will help us provide accurate numbers to our venue and ensure a seamless experience for everyone. Please note that payment can be made by transferring the funds directly to our bank account at your earliest convenience. Below other details, they, they block that out. Kindly include your name and wedding buffet contribution in the payment reference. 
Your presence at our wedding is the most meaningful gift we can ask for, and we are truly grateful for your love and support as we embark on this new chapter of our lives together. All right, that is the invitation. What do I think about that? This is what I think about that. Key points here that I was making earlier. Weddings are expensive. Weddings can create a debt in your joint union as you're starting your joint union, right? They're saying, hey, look, y'all don't need to give us any wedding gifts. Want to help us out? Pay for your food. And then what are the prices? $40 per adult for a buffet. $20 per kid under 12 for a buffet. Now, it doesn't say anything about the bar. If it's a cash bar, if that's included in, in the price, I would be asking those questions. But if I was invited to this wedding, and, and let me tell you, I've been a groomsman and some gorgeous weddings. I've also been a groomsman in a ghetto wedding and several ghetto weddings. I've been in attendance to some beautiful weddings and I've been in, in attendance to some ghetto weddings. And when I mean ghetto, there was one wedding that I went to, they didn't have the right cutlery for the food. So we were sawing our meat <laughs> with, it, it was bad, right? It was good. It was bad, but it doesn't matter because you're celebrating somebody's union. $40 for me and whatever guests and kids, you know, that's like a night to, it's a night to dinner, right? It's a night out, but it's just not, that's like a night out at a restaurant. This isn't a night out for a complete party because that's what it is. It's a, it's a party. So if I was invited to this wedding, I wouldn't see a problem with it, especially considering this, considering the fact that they said in lieu of a wedding gift, because I would probably still get a wedding gift. It would be, you know, be on the, the cheaper side since I had to pay for myself. But I could tell you from a personal experience, because you know, like I said, I had a wedding and I had some family members who might even be listening to this right now who said that they were going to come and did not come. And that cost me money. And it wasn't no $40 per person. It was close to $100 per person. So yeah, it costs a, a great deal of money to have people at your wedding. And for those people that don't show up, yo, y'all are y'all are trifling. I'm not just talking to my own family. I'm talking to anybody that RSVP'd to a wedding and didn't let the person know, hey, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to make it. So yeah, no, I don't I don't really find anything wrong with this. I actually kind of wish that, that I could get more invitations like this. If you want me to come to your wedding. And you're like, hey, man, you just pay your way. Uh, fine. As long as the wedding is like within driving distance. If I got to hop on a plane, I'm, I'm not coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not coming because I got to pay. I got to pay to hop on a plane to get there and also pay the $40. Also, there's another aspect of asking people for to pay the, for themselves for the invitation is you obviously can't say that to the, the bridal party, right? To the groomsmen's and the bridesmaids. You're going to just have to eat that because they're already paying to be in your wedding in the first place, which I said to the, my groomsmen and I told my ex-wife to say to the bridesmaids, don't get us any gifts. Don't get us nothing because they had to pay to be in our wedding. They got to pay for their tux rentals and the, um, 
the gown rentals or purchases, right? They also take us to bachelorette and bachelor parties. Like those are the ones that actually put in dough for our wedding. So we said, do not get us a gift because the gift of you being in our wedding is good enough. And we got them gifts because that's that's what you're supposed to do. Like, thank you for, for doing that. But I don't necessarily, some people were saying that this was ghetto and this was hood and like, don't have a wedding if you can't pay for it. And I mean, hey, you, there there's some arguments to that. And guess what? If somebody like this invites you to the wedding, you ain't got to go, <laughs> right? Like that's how they, that's their get down. You ain't got to go. Y'all act like y'all never went to a rent party before. Time out. Let me repeat that. Y'all act like y'all never went to a rent party before. For those people who have not gone to a rent party and don't understand what a rent party is, that's when somebody throws a house party and charges people to come to the house party so that they can pay their rent. You act like you haven't gone to a house party and been charged to get in. Like that even happened at fraternities at the University of Maryland. They would have parties. You would have to, you know, pay five or ten dollars because they're providing a beer and you're underage. <laughs> I'm not throwing anybody on the bus. Damn it. I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, sometimes you got to pay to play. So for those people out there who are calling the tacky, for you, that's tacky. For them, I, I say that's smart. Hell, if I get married again, that's something I might do. If you want to come to my wedding, that's cool. Just pay for yourself because <laughs> this is where I'm going to be at this time. You know, hopefully my, I, I, she wouldn't be my partner unless she, well, no, you, the partnership is about, you know, compromise. So if that's not something that she wanted to do, obviously I would compromise, obviously. Uh, but I don't want to pay for another wedding. I don't uh, personally, the, the bad boys are expensive. And they said, Hey, look, pay for yourself. I would need a little bit more details. You know, what does that $40 include? Is it just buffet? Is it buffet and alcohol? What are the alcohol situation is? You know, that's that's what I want to know because that's the most important thing to the wedding is alcohol. And, you know, I went to a wedding one time and they didn't have any hard alcohol. All they had was beer and wine. And I'm like, mm, I don't drink either one of those things regularly. I drink tequila. So what am I going to do? Kind of wish I knew this beforehand. I would have brought my flask. So, um, <laughs> but it was still a dope wedding. So I had a good time. Loved the couple. Was happy that I was there. So, you know, everybody has it a different way. You celebrate how you want to celebrate. It's supposed to be your day, not for other people. Other, you, you include other people because you want them to take part in your special day. You ain't got to do nothing. I was talking to somebody earlier out there, uh, earlier today about this. Other people's opinions and thoughts should not matter to you. Do what makes you happy as long as it's not hurting anybody else. And this was not hurting anybody. I mean, you, if you don't want to pay the money, you ain't got to go. You don't have to go. You got to pay to play. But on that note, that's going to be it for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody for watching. Uh, until next time, as always, I'll holla. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock with will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast but the real party is on our patreon page after hours uncensored and talking straight ish after hours uncensored is another show with my sister and once again 
the key word there is uncensored. Those are exclusively on our Patreon page. Jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us. That's where you can get all of our audio, video, our blogs, and even buy our merch. And if you're really feeling genuine and want to help us out, you can donate on our donations page. Donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciated. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.